taken from Isaiah, chapter 49, starting at verse 1, and can be found on page 1138 of the Church Bibles. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, For I am honoured in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel. To him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favour I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will will feed beside the roads and will find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up. See, they come from afar, some from the north, some from the west and from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray. 
Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that in it um, is so much for the goodness of our souls. Lord, thank you for the wonderful encouragement within these verses. Thank you that you, God, reign. Thank you that you have redeemed us. And Lord, would you lift all of our hearts to see you clearly and to love you more dearly this evening through these words. Would these words be your words? And would they come in power and by your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So this evening, um, I've got the good bits of Isaiah, the most exciting bits, the bits that you've all been waiting for. Um, so I hope that I do them justice. And I was, as I was sitting there listening to Martin read out that passage, my heart was just going, yes, yes, as I was reading these verses. Because all of these things in here, straight away as Christians, we want to say, yes, we can see Jesus in these verses. Yes, we want to shout and rejoice with the heavens because of the good things that Jesus has brought into our lives. But I want you just to wait. <laughs> just to wait because, yes, we can shout with the heavens. But they also, these verses, had something to say in their own time as well as our time. And I want to quickly look at that as well. If you have a Bible, um, I would ask you to keep it open at page 1,138 as we uh, look through some of these verses. Uh, there's six verses, uh, sorry, six chapters, um, and we'll highlight some of these on our little journey we have this evening. So I want to start with the Lord's servant that we've just heard. Now we all understand, I'm sure, the backdrop to Isaiah's prophecies, but just to highlight in three words, we're looking at Isaiah is prophesying to the people for their need to return to God. They need to return to God. They need to repent of their sin and they need to be renewed by God. That's what all of this book is looking to do. However, um, he says in these verses that he feels like his prophecies have been in vain. And therefore, the nation, as we know, will be destroyed and taken into exile. Bad news. But God will not abandon them. That's the message of these six chapters. In exile, they will return to God. They will be renewed and therefore restored Back to their land. That was the message for their time. So as we look at that, I want to make a bold statement that in the first place, the Lord's servant in their time was Isaiah. He's the one commissioned by God to bring these words to the people. They describe truth. They describe how God enabled Isaiah to speak God's word. And I love the phrase, like a sharpened sword to the nation. Words that would penetrate the people's hearts and minds like a sword. 
We read how God affirmed Isaiah as his servant, Israel, in whom God would display his splendor. If you remember, that's the whole point of Israel, is to display God's splendor, but they have failed. So Isaiah becomes Israel, the one who is going to display God's splendor through these prophecies. We hear how Isaiah's preaching would ultimately be in vain, yet the Lord would reward Isaiah for his faithfulness. I wonder if there's people that you know and you think, I'm just witnessing to them in vain. Well, there is a reward for your faithfulness that comes from the hand of the Lord, even if we don't see what we want to see happen in this life. And finally, we hear God's description of how he formed Isaiah even in his mother's womb to be his vessel to Jacob, to Israel, and to the nations. That even the nations, even Jacob and Israel through exile would come back to God. However, as I was sat there listening to Martin Reading these verses, I was saying yes and amen because I can see Jesus in these passages. That's the second light that we're going to use to illuminate these passages, the light of Jesus. We see that, yes, there was a message in Isaiah's day, but ultimately these verses find their fulfillment in the Lord's ultimate servant, the only true Israel Jesus Christ, because he's the only one who can bring the perfection and the truth of God as his representative fully and completely and perfectly. However, there's a third light that we can shed on this. We can see that as Christians, even before we were born, God had chosen us in Christ, that God can and will place his word in our mouths when we need it, and that we can choose to live our lives as God's representatives, as the true Israel here on earth, from the overflow of our love for Jesus. So that's our first part. I'm going to read to you in a moment some verses describing the suffering servant. And again, as Christians, we want to go straight to Jesus and we want to say, there he is. And I would say yes and amen to you, but I just want you to wait. I want you to wait. Because although it is looking at Jesus, I also believe it's looking at Isaiah. When Isaiah first brought these prophecies He was, um, they came and people listened and they welcomed his preaching. But soon people despised him and despised what he had to say. I mean, you can imagine, you guys have been on this journey through this series and I've heard the things that he said to that nation. He was maligned because of his message to Judah. And Jewish tradition holds that he was killed barbarically by being sawn in two by King Manasseh. 
Can you imagine? So as we, in a moment, hear those verses of the suffering servant, let's think of Isaiah and possibly some of the things that he suffered to deliver this message to the people, as well as as being struck to the heart of what the Lord Jesus went through for our redemption. So if you'd like to, turn to chapter 52. It's on page 1144, and I'm going to read from the verse 13. As I read them, let's really think about what it cost Jesus to free and liberate us. Verse 13 says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For for what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. How thankful we should be that he bore the sin of many. That on the cross, he intercedes for the transgressors. And he brings us back to God. Thank you, Jesus. The third light I want us just to put onto these is that of ourselves. The Lord's suffering servant. You know, as a Christian, I really believe that God's intention for our lives isn't to prosper us, but it's for us to live a life of Christ. And that in that, he calls us to carry his cross and walk with him. In that, there'll be times in our lives where we are called by him to suffer like Christ as his followers. You know, the apostles, when they were whipped for the message that they brought, they saw those stripes as a badge of honor. We have suffered for Christ. We have suffered with Christ. Hallelujah. They saw it as something to be praised, to suffer in his sufferings. And I believe, as Christians today, that message still holds for us. Yes, God is good and he loves us. But there will be times in our life where we will be asked to suffer on share in the sufferings of Christ so that God's glory might be revealed in us as God's glory was revealed in Christ's suffering. We too can place ourselves as a suffering servant for Christ. And I want to say in my heart the day that that happens, I, want, I hope that I can stand and say like the apostles, hallelujah, I suffered and shared in Christ's suffering. These marks on my back I wear as a badge of honor. And I hope that that would be the same for you. So what does the suffering servant accomplish? If we put it of the light of Jesus, what do his sacrifice accomplish? Well, first of all, if we shine it with the light of Isaiah, we see the redemption and restoration of Israel. He prophesies that the people will go into exile. But in these verses, he prophesies that in exile, they will be renewed 
and restored. They will come back to God. And therefore, because of their turning back to God, they will come back to the land where they've been exiled from. They will return home. That's the message for them. Just listen to these verses. If you could turn to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13. It's page 1139. It starts where uh, Martin left off. And it says, Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. It's remembering the time where they were brought into exile. And God replies, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have, and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, Israel, in Isaiah's time. I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your sons hasten back, and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. Though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste in the time of the destruction of Israel and into exile, now you will be too small for your people. And those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place, this land that we've returned to is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. Then you will say in your heart, who bore me these? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone, but these, where have they come from? This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the Gentiles. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. You see, the time in exile it's going to be a time of renewing and restoration, even by those who have carried them off. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from the fierce? But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. 
I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. These verses describe to me of Israel's time, the prophecy that is to come. Remember, none of this has even happened yet. But he speaks about why it's going to happen. He speaks of what it will be like when it happens. Then he speaks of the redemption and the restoration. This is what it will be like after it has happened and why it has happened to renew and restore Israel's heart back to God. When we shed a different light on it, the light of Christ, we see that in these verses it describes the redemption and restoration of humanity through Christ. Listen to these verses. Verse 15. As we read it, thinking about Christ, as we reread it, it says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, this is what the Lord says to us through Christ, I will not forget you. I will not forget you. We see, don't we, in verse 16, the Lord's sacrifice on the cross. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. We see that he has done this for our restoration, for our redemption. And in these chapters, it also the other light that we shine on it helps us to focus and give, takes our gaze to things that have yet not happened. We've looked at things that have happened in Isaiah's time. We've looked at things that the Lord Jesus has brought to us through what he did on the cross. But there's even another light that shines, taking our gaze into even the future that we've not yet seen. And it talks about the time of Jesus' return, when all of creation will be redeemed and restored. It's a time that we all should be longing for, that we should be setting our gaze upon, the redemption of all things, Christ's return. Bear with me a minute. That's not the verses. One second. Return with me to Isaiah 52, verse 1 to 10. I want you to think about revelation, about the new heaven and the new earth. I want you to think of the new Jerusalem. Just listen to these words. It says, Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. This is what it will be like 
for us when we come into that kingdom, when he puts upon us the garments of his splendor, when he puts on creation the fullness of the garments of his splendor, when it's restored to how it should be, when we're restored to how it should, of how we should be. O Jerusalem, the holy city, that new Jerusalem that will come from heaven to earth. In that place, the uncircumcised and defiled will never enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All day long my name is constantly blasphemed. There my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it, yet it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm. In the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God in the day that Christ returns and restores and redeems all of creation and the fullness of his kingdom is brought here on this earth. So what do we take from these passages? The first thing that we take is that we are to come to Jesus. Turn to chapter 55, just three verses. Just listen to this invitation that Jesus speaks to each one of us as we stand and sit and hear these words. Come, all you who are thirsty. Are you thirsty tonight? Then come to Jesus. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, is there something that you need from the Lord this evening? Then come to Jesus. It says, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Is there nourishment that you need from Jesus this evening? Then come to Jesus and receive it. 
Why spend money on what is not bread? And you all labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is the richest affair. Jesus. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. He bestows upon you. Upon you. First thing that Jesus asks us to do when we hear these words in Isaiah is to come to him. The second thing is that we should look at the example of the one true Israel, Jesus Christ, the true, true representative of God. And we should say in our hearts and our minds, I want to be like him. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be his representative here on earth. And that begins by his looking honestly inside of us. What needs to change? What needs to be transformed? Where are the ruins in our own hearts? Where do we need God to rebuild those walls? And thirdly, I want to share with you a true story. It's a story of someone who I believe showed amazingly just what a life can look like when it's been redeemed by Christ and then putting God's kingdom out there for people to see. It's the true story of my niece. I heard this story on Wednesday of this week. And in a nutshell, my sister rang me and said, I'm worried about Isabel. That's my niece. I'm not sure. Maybe she got baptized too young when she was 11. Oh, she's a bit oh, embarrassed. She doesn't want people to know that she's a Christian at school. She's 13. No, she's 12. I tell a lie. She's 12. I said, Sarah, Tell me a little bit about what she does, what her friends are like at school. She said, well, Richard, what's happened is she went to um, school, high school, and she saw people who were rejected by their peers. And her heart went out to these people, and she befriended them one by one, and she brought them together into a friendship group. And they're all friends together now. And I said to her, Sarah, that's Isabel being a disciple of Jesus in her school. Because that's exactly what Jesus would have done. He would have gone to those who were isolated from all the rest and rejected. He would have gone to them and shown friendship one by one by one. 
and he would have brought them together so that they can have friendship and together. She said to, to me, Richard, Isabel's got a boyfriend. I said, tell me about her boyfriend. Well, her boyfriend um, is Japanese. And she saw him and saw how people bullied him for him being Japanese. And her heart went out to him and she befriended him and friendship has turned into him being her boyfriend. I said, Sarah, there's nothing for you to be worried about Isabel. That's exactly what Jesus would have done. He'd have seen the injustice in someone being discriminated against for just being from a different country. And he would have gone to them and he would have befriended them and he would have loved them. She said, Richard, I'm really worried about Isabel. I said, tell me why you're worried. She said she comes home from school and she says, I hate those people. And my sister said, who do you hate? She said, I hate the people who bully my friends. I stand up for them. I hate them. I said, Sarah, you've got nothing to be worried about. I said, does she hit them, the bullies? Does she hit them? No. Does she shout at them? No. What does she do? She defends them, my sister said. I said, Sarah, that's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. He sees those who are being oppressed by others. And he sees the injustice and hates it. And he defends the weak and the marginalized. I said, Sarah, you've got nothing to be worried about. She's a disciple of Jesus. And the rest will come. My application for this evening is this. Do likewise. Do likewise. Matt. Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Now shall we stand together to worship the Lord?
before we come to uh, anoint our prayer ministry team, we come for a time of confession. Would you sit or kneel? We say these words together from our heart. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have wandered and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things that we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But you, O Lord, have mercy upon us sinners. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may live a disciplined, righteous, and godly life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd like to use these words here to um, draw together our prayer ministry team. Can I ask those members of the team to come forward? Oh, there's a lot of you. Just listen to these words out of Isaiah 49, which really struck me when I was um, preparing last week for thinking about this. In verse 8, this is what the Lord says.